Last Sunday, in the second lesson from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, we saw Paul wrestling with the fact that most Jews in his time did not receive the Lord Jesus as the Messiah. And the apostle was trying to understand this mystery of divine providence by puzzling over how the many pieces of the eternal plan of salvation will finally fit together at the end of days. And in all of our scripture lessons this morning, we see several different dimensions of this very same mystery being unveiled for us by the word of God. In the first lesson today, the prophet Isaiah proclaims that the foreigners or Gentiles who love the name of the Lord and who demonstrate their love by doing what is just and right will be brought to God's holy mountain and find that their sacrifices are also acceptable. Hence, the house of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be called a house of prayer, not just for Jews, but for all peoples. And so the psalmist sings, May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. And in the second lesson, St. Paul both mourns the refusal of the house of Israel to accept Jesus of Nazareth as Messiah and Lord, and then rejoices that the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And for this reason, Paul teaches that the former lack of faith among Gentiles and the present lack of faith among Jews are in some fashion complementary principles leading in the providence of God to divine mercy and reconciliation for people of every tribe and tongue. But that unity in redemption will be revealed only on the last day. And so until then, we continue to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Which brings us to today's account of a journey and a very strange conversation recorded by St. Matthew. Notice first where the scene takes place, the region of Tyre and Sidon, which were two cities in Gentile territory. These were ancient cities, even in the time of Christ, and today those sites are in modern Lebanon. When the children of Israel took possession of the land of Canaan, they were not able to subdue Tyre and Sidon, and so these two cities remained centers of Phoenician civilization. In due course, however, Alexander the Great laid waste the city of Tyre, and the Persians conquered Sidon. But after being destroyed, both cities were rebuilt, and under Roman rule, they became prosperous trading centers. Chapter 15 of Matthew's Gospel, from which we read today, opens with the Lord Jesus in Galilee, engaged in a dispute with a group of scribes and Pharisees who had come from Jerusalem precisely to argue with him over his teaching about the law of Moses. The apostles noted that the scribes and Pharisees held Jesus in contempt, and so Christ then tried to teach the Twelve how to understand the law properly and what is required of us to lead upright lives. And immediately after that exchange, today's passage begins in the next verse. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. 
This geographical destination is not random. Jesus took the 12 out of Jewish territory in Galilee and into Gentile territory to continue his lesson about a proper understanding of righteousness and the law of Moses. And in that pagan place, a Canaanite woman surprisingly approached the Lord Jesus with reverence. For centuries, Canaanites and Jews had been bitter enemies, but this foreign woman nonetheless cried out in faith and hope, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. Friends, this is extraordinary. The Jewish scribes and Pharisees who argued with Jesus in Galilee regarded him as a lawless blasphemer. But this pagan woman in Gentile lands acknowledged him as the Lord, the son of David, and thereby implicitly confessed that salvation is from the Jews. The Canaanite woman approached the Savior because she wanted him to cure her daughter. And although Jesus initially ignored her, she kept calling out for him. Perhaps word of his miracles had already reached Tyre and Sidon, or perhaps she knew someone who had told her about the wonder-working rabbi from Nazareth. But however this Gentile woman came to believe that Christ could save her daughter, she was relentless in seeking his help, while the twelve were annoyed and wanted nothing to do with her. They said to the Lord, send her away. And at first Jesus seemed to agree with them. Christ said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the Canaanite woman was not deterred. She knelt humbly at the feet of Jesus. And then she said simply, Lord, help me. And now comes the strangest part of the conversation. Jesus answered her, It is not right to take the food of children and throw it to the dogs. Now this was a standard Jewish insult for Gentiles and a quick way to distinguish the descendants of Abraham from the Goyim, who are not heirs to the covenants made by the living God with the children of Israel. The twelve apostles would have highly approved of this brusque dismissal by their master of the brash Canaanite woman. But there is much more here than meets the eye, and she was not put off. So she added cleverly, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Matthew does not tell us, and so we cannot know how this woman came to believe that the son of Mary was the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. But someone had taught her this saving truth even before Christ and the Twelve arrived at this outdoor classroom. And then Jesus answered her tenderly, A woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. I hope by now that the point of this excursion is clear. The Lord Jesus did not travel from Galilee to Tyre and Sidon to hurl insults at a Gentile stranger. He was rather engaged in a teaching mission. He was teaching the Twelve, teaching them that an essential truth that they were not 
read, yet ready yet to receive and understand. Yes, salvation comes from the Jews, but it is not for Jews only. Salvation is offered to the entire human race without a single exception. Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female. Jesus Christ suffered and died for the redemption of every man, woman, and child who will ever live. And the grace of salvation is offered without distinction to everyone who will hear and heed the word of God with faith, hope, and love. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. In the fifth section of his letter to the Romans, which is all of chapters 9, 10, and 11, St. Paul acknowledged this saving truth and taught the Christians in Rome how to understand the enduring mystery that the living God can turn even our disobedience into part of his providential plan for the salvation of the world. Once we grasp this truth, then we must not only tolerate people of other races, religions, and customs, but we must also rejoice in whatever they have which is good or true or beautiful. And then we begin the search in their own beliefs and culture for any seeds of the word of God that will help us give them an account of our reasons for teaching that salvation is found in Christ alone and that we receive the gift of eternal life by God's grace alone, the grace of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one only living and true God. Friends, at the throne of grace, there is only one race, the human race. And every human person who will one day live in eternal glory will have been justified, sanctified, and glorified only by the son of David, the king of the Jews. Our place in the kingdom of God comes not from the color of our skin or the lineage of our ancestors or the language we speak or our own wisdom or knowledge or the tribe to which we belong or the value of our property or the correctness of our politics or even our observance of the eternal moral law. No, at the end of days, all who are gathered at the throne of grace will be there only from knowing, loving, and serving him who alone is the way to the Father, the Son of David and the Son of the living God, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to whom belongs all of time and all the ages, the Lamb once slain who lives forever, the Lord, Jesus Christ, 